Father, we just turn to you just to thank you, Lord, for uh, being able to bring us here, Lord, is such a blessing and so grateful, Lord, for giving us the opportunity, Lord, to be able to gather in this house to listen to your word, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you may be with our brother here as he gives your word, Lord, that we may uh, listen and understand, so that we may understand more and know more of what you want us to do in this world. Father, we are so grateful and thankful once again. I ask this in your name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. The story is told of a man and his wife who decided to go to a drive-in movie. They thought the price was too high and plotted to put one over the management of the theater. When they were a short distance from the drive-in, the husband climbed into the trunk of the car. The arrangement was that his wife would let him out after she was inside the theater. All went off as planned, at least as far as getting past the ticket seller was concerned. But when the wife go to the back of the car to let her husband out, the trunk will not open. In desperation, she had to call the manager, the police, and the rescue team. Neither of them saw the movie, and the trunk had to be cut open. Such is the path of sin. The ride is short, and the price is high. At first glance, eating of the forbidden fruit did not seem that serious a matter. But as far as God was concerned, it was a serious matter because it was a command of Jehovah God. Let's jog our memory by looking at Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. And this is what God said to Adam and Eve. Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. That's a plain, clear command by God to Adam and Eve. Well, chapter 3 tells the sad story which Robbie brought to us last week of disobedience and the fall of man. Man has chosen to believe Satan rather than God. They therefore decided to follow the path of self-fulfillment, to go their own way, to do their own things. And instead of obeying God's commands, they went in their own way. Satan has suggested that there was no harm in eating the fruit. He in fact said, in fact, you will be like God if you ate the fruit. And so Adam and Eve took and ate of the fruit. And we read in chapter 3, verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes and make one wise, she ate it and gave it to the man. So here in the fourth chapter with Messi has read to us, we see that Satan's promises were blatant lies. And here the wages of real sin begins to appear. Let us consider the fruit of the fall in the life of Cain. Now, lesson this morning is on Cain and Abel. We've read that the sexual union of Adam and Eve produced their first son, a child whom they named Cain. When Cain was born, Eve acknowledged that his birth was only by the Lord's doing. And therefore she named, named Cain, uh, which means to get or to acquire. And perhaps in the modern language today would name him God. 
I remember uh, Neville Taylor speaking in Wittura one day. He knew of a Samoan family that lived in Mount Eden, and they used to go to the Eden Chapel. And one of the same was, was one of the son's name was Mount Eden Bus Stop. This was the name that this boy was given. You see, mom didn't make it to the hospital. The little boy came at the bus stop, and so his name is Mount Eden Bus Stop. That's what this boy is called. But here in the, in the, in the life of Cain, the significance of the name is that it reflects Eve's faith. For she said, I have gotten a man-child from, from the help of the Lord. William MacDonald in his commentary says, In naming him Cain, Eve may have thought, for she has given birth to the promised seed. That's what William MacDonald suggests. Now I believe that Eve understood what God has said. I believe Eve, Eve understood when, when God said, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. She probably understood that one of her offsprings will be the Redeemer. Perhaps she looked upon Cain to be a Redeemer. If she did, she was wrong, wasn't she? She would be disappointed. And so we read that in due time, a second son was born. Some think that these two boys might have been twins because there is no time lapse between the two verses. Uh, I don't know, so we'll leave it there, okay? A second son was born, and they named him Abel. And Abel means vanity. Abel means breath. Abel means fear. Perhaps Eve learned that disobeying God had its own consequences. Cain could have been the symbol of, of Eve's hope. Abel was of her despair. Now, the two boys had different occupation. We know that very well. Abel was a keeper of the flock, while Cain was the tiller of the soil. And in today's language, there was a shepherd and there was a gardener. Nowhere does Moses imply that, that one of these occupations was superior than the other. We don't read that anywhere. You see, Cain's problem is not found in the means of his livelihood. Cain's problem was in the man himself, his attitude, and his unbelief. And so time went along, and it was time for them to bring their offering to the Lord. And Cain, being a, a farmer, a gardener, brings the fruit of the ground. And we've read that Abel, being a shepherd, brings a choice lamb, a firstborn to the Lord. Both of them, they offered the sacrifice to God. And in verse 4 and 5 it says, And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. His, his facial expression changed. He was not a happy man when God said that. And we might ask, did Cain have any revelation what sort of sacrifice he should bring to God? Well, if Cain did not, then Abel did not either. And we must admit that none of us know exactly what God wanted, because it is not recorded. Now, while we do not know what God revealed to Adam and Eve, while we do not know what sort of sacrifice they were to bring God, 
But we are assured that they knew what they were to do. They knew exactly what they they were supposed to do. And this is clear from the word of God to Cain in verses 6 and 7. And listen to what God says to Cain after their sacrifice. God says, why are you angry? And God is saying, didn't you know? Why are you angry, Cain? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well with Will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you. You must master it. You see, rather than being repentant of his sinful disobedience, he was hostile towards God and jealous of his brother. And verse 5 says, Cain became very, very angry. Cain, like many people today, wanted to come to God in their own terms. Many people today want to come to God in their own can, and, and, and Cain, Cain was one like that. He wanted to come to God in his own terms. That might work at the Burger King. They might let you choose your filling, whatever you want in your burger, but it will not work with God. Someone has said, you can go to heaven God's way, or you can go to hell any way you please. And how true that is, isn't it? There's only one way, and that way is through the cross, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, Cain was not an irreligious person. Cain believed in God. He wanted God's approval in his life, but he wanted to come to God in his own terms. He came to God with a heart that was not right, and he came to God in his own terms. Cain did not want to approach God through the shed blood. Cain preferred to bring to God the fruit of his labors, the fruit of the ground. A bloodless offering was perfectly appropriate in accordance with Leviticus. It was Cain's attitude of unbelief it was that displeased God. And being God, God of course knew Cain's heart and God was not happy with the offering that he brought to him. Man has not changed Many are those today who believe in God, who acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God, but they refuse to submit to him, submit to the man of Calvary who took upon his own body the punishment of their sin. They refuse the sacrificial death upon the cross as the only payment for the forgiveness of our sin. Men will do anything today to come to God, in their own way, in their own terms, with, their, with, with the works of their hands, but they refuse to come through the work that has been accomplished at the cross. And said to say, there are many people sitting in church today. They are lost in the pews. The prodigal son was lost among the pigs. And today, sitting in churches, there are people who are lost in their pews because they will not come to God in the appointed way, and that is through the cross and through the Lord Jesus Christ. The message of the gospel is so clear, isn't it? There is no approach to God except through the shed blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said to Thomas, Thomas, you don't know the way? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He is the only way, the way of the cross through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 4 verse 12, 
Peter in his preaching said, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is only one Lord. There is only one Savior. His name is Jesus. And he is the one that paid the price for our sin. Now notice God did not correct Cain by comparing him to his brother Abel, saying to Cain, why don't you do like Abel do? Some parents do, don't they? Why can't you be like Susan? Or why can't you be like John? God does not do that to Cain. God pointed Cain to the standard which he has set, not to the example of his brother. God has a standard for us today, folks, a standard we must follow. God has got a task for us, a task which we must follow so that it will bring honor and glory to his name. And so Cain rejected the wisdom that God has spoken to him. He rejected doing well. Cain refused to repent. And he concluded that there was only one solution, and that was to remove the competition. His one solution was to murder his brother. There was only one way for Cain to get over his depression, and that was to change his attitude. There was a way to change his performance that was to change his direction. It was to repent and turn around and do what God wanted him to do, but Cain would not. And so it happened one day, they were out in the open field. Both brothers were out there in the open field. There was no witnesses. There was nobody to witness what happened. And the Bible tells us, and Cain killed his brother and came under the judgment of God. The world's first murder started right there. God knew what had happened to any questions, Cain. Cain, where is your brother? Cain does not only lie in denying that he has any knowledge of his brother, but he seems to rebuke God with a question. He fires back to God a question. Am I my brother's keeper? Why are you asking me? Am I my brother's keeper? Or shall I shepherd the shepherd? What do you want me to do? Well, God said, what have you done, Cain? What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. The time for repentance has passed. It's time for judgment. And now God passes his sentence upon Cain. You see, when Adam sinned, God said, Cursed is the ground because of you. And when Cain killed uh, Abel, God said, You are cursed from the ground. In the case of Adam, God, God cursed the ground. And here, God curses Cable, uh, 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 cursed Cain. And it is not the ground which is cursed again, but Cain is cursed by God. Cain has been blessed with a green finger. Cain was a good gardener. He approached God through the fruit of his labors. Now God cursed him in the area of his strength. Sin has come into the world. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. And here we see that Cain is cursed in the area of his strength. There's only one life that counts, folks, and it is the life of faith that counts in this world. By faith, 
we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we've been considering this morning, this morning, then and then only we have a testimony, a testimony that we belong to Jesus Christ, a testimony so others can see our life and glorify our Father in heaven. Never again will Cain be able to sustain himself by tilling the soil. God said this, when you cultivate, the ground will no longer yield its strength to you. A curse has been pronounced on Cain here in this chapter. While Adam had to earn his living by the sweat of his brow, gardening for Cain was disastrous. Nothing would grow for him. For Adam, farming was difficult. But for Cain, it was disastrous. You see how sin rolls on and on and on. Cain's response to the first rebuke of God has been silence. But Cain is no longer silent, as we read, after his sentence is pronounced. And he says to the Lord, he says this, listen, My punishment is too great to bear. Behold, thou hast driven me this day from the face of the ground, and from thy face I shall be hidden, and I shall be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. And it will come about that whoever finds me will kill me. Cain's word is, has a familiar ring of people today, isn't it? Some people are really sorry when they do wrong and they repent. They're sorry for their sin. But there are others who are only sorry because they got caught. They're only sorry because they caught. As far as long as they continue in sin and they don't get caught, it's fine. It's okay. And that is, that's, that's our world today. Some are really sorry and come to God and ask for forgiveness. Some are only sorry because they got caught. All Cain does is to repeat his sentence bitterly. And he expresses to God that man will treat him and man will find him and man will kill him. Well, God assures Cain this, said, while human life meant little to you, God valued it highly. He would not even allow Cain's blood to be shed. In verse 15, we have a twofold purpose in verse 15. So the Lord said to him, therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain, lest anyone finding him should slay him. The first is to assure that he would not die a violent death like his brother. And the second is a clear warning to anyone who should consider taking Cain's life. And notice God's word. God does not say whoever kills you. God says whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken upon him seven times. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain so that no one finding him would kill him. We don't know what the sign is, and uh, I'll leave that to your imagination. Now, from verses 16 and 14 of chapter 4, uh, we have a partial genealogy is given in the line of Cain. Maybe Moses used this as an evidence of the ungodliness of Cain, and the sinfulness of men after the fall. And from verses 17 to 24, we have a list of Cain's future descendant, 
in a series of world's fest, first. The first city is named Enoch. The first case of polygamy, Lamech took himself two wives, Edda and Zillah. It was the beginning of organized animal husbandry starts there. It is the beginning of art, of music and art, of metal craft. It all starts there. And then also in this chapter, we have another murder is recorded in this chapter. In, in this case, it is a double murder. And the murderer is a descendant of Cain, and his name is Lamech. And Lamech also brings us to the point in history of man where sin is not only committed boldly, but after committing sin, people go and brag about the sin, brag about what they've done. We've all l l listened to the news of these, these, these boys called roastbusters, how they used to seduce girls and, and sleep with them, and then they go and put it on YouTube for the world to see. And that's the world we live in. And that's what Lamech did here. He, he goes to his wife and says this in verse 23. And Lamech said to his wife, Seda and Zillah, listen to my voice, you wives of Lamech. Give heed to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me and a boy for striking me. You see, the world we live in today is similar to what Lamech did here, didn't he? Of people who does not only commit sin, but they brag about what they have done and they put it on YouTube and all that that we see. Lamech thought that if God promised seven times vengeance on anybody who kills Cain, surely God will give me 77 times. And here we see the arrogance of this man that God will surely protect him after killing these two people. And that's the story of Cain. But now we come to verses 25 and 26, and here we have a glimmer of grace we find in these verses. In Romans chapter 5, the apostle Paul had much to say about the fall of man in the book of Genesis. But in the same chapter, we find these verses that Paul wrote in verses 20 and 21. The law came in so that transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through the righteousness to eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. Although the Mosaic law is not flawed, its presence caused men's sin to increase. The law only came to bring us to God, but the Lord Jesus Christ came to pay that price for our sins and to secure us eternal life in God. The law came in so that transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded the more. Where there was sin, grace multiplied, grace upon grace. We who did not deserve grace, God has poured upon us multiple graces so that you and I will not come into judgment, but have eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, in time, Adam and Eve had another son, and they named him Seth. For she said, God has appointed me another offspring in place of Abel. Eve's hope for salvation through her first son 
Eve hoped for salvation through her first son Cain. It would not surely come from him or from his descendant. Neither could it come from Abel because he was dead. But another son was given at the right time and his name Seth means appointed. Seth was the appointed son through whom the Messiah would come. With Cain removed as the older brother, the heir of the family blessing, and with Abel dead, God graciously gives Adam and Eve a godly son through whom the Messiah is promised. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, God said to the serpent, and Eve was there at the listening, <clears throat> and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. And if you go to Luke chapter, chapter 3, there we have a genealogy that brings us down to the Lord Jesus Christ through the line of this son, Seth, who is called appointed. And if you go through the last verses from verses 23 to 38 on Luke chapter 3, it finishes like this, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. And this is the promised seed, the seed that was promised in the Garden of Eden. This is the seed of the woman that would bruise Satan on the head, and it came about from the line of Adam's son, Seth. That promised Messiah, the first gospel that was preached there in the Garden of Eden, had come to be fulfilled at the cross of Calvary when the Lord Jesus Christ gave that final blow to the head of the Satan. You know, while God valued the blood of the Lamb that Abel sacrificed, there is a better sacrifice, and that is of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. He paid the ultimate price for sin, folks. He gave his life for us so that whoever puts their faith and trust in him will not perish but have eternal life. And the question is, have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? He's paid the price for your sin. He would like to come into your life and forgive you all your sins. Have you? There may be somebody here today who have not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You've tried everything else. Try Jesus. I've given my life to the Lord Jesus Christ when I was only 54 years old. Come from a very poor family where we worshipped idols and all. And God's blessing has been numerous in my life through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Will you invite him? Will you trust him in your life today? Just like to read one, the last verse of that when we finish. And verse 26, And to Seth, to him also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. And listen to this, Then man began to call upon the name of the Lord. We all remember the time in our lives when we have come to the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been considering that this morning of our testimony. Then man began to call upon the name of the Lord. Have you called upon the name of the Lord? Have you asked him to be your savior? Has he come into your life? Has he changed your life? Or are you like Cain 
rebelling against God. There is only one life. It will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ is last. If you want help in that area, and if you're not sure of your salvation or where you stand with God, please talk to us. We would be just too willing to show you the way of the cross that leads home. God bless you. Let us close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this lesson we have in the life of Cain. We thank you so much for the sacrifice that has been made. We thank you for the first gospel that was preached in the Garden of Eden. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who took upon himself the punishment of our sin and has set us free. And so today we just pray that you would help each one of us here in this chapel today. Those of us who belong to you, Father, we pray that you would help us to understand there is only one life. And we're here on this earth only once. And all we can do, we do it now. Because we'll never pass this way again. And we just pray that you would help each one of us to live for you and to glorify Jesus Christ in our lives. Should there be anyone amongst us today who do not know you, Father, we pray that you will speak to them. Bring them to a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for every sweet remembrance we've heard of our Lord Jesus Christ this morning. And as we leave this place, Father, go out there into the world for the next week. Keep us for yourself, we pray. And uh, our prayer is with the words of the chorus writer, keep me true, Lord Jesus, keep me true. There's a race that I must run. There are victories to be won. Only by your power every hour. Keep me true. Thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.